0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that's about to get slapped by Tommy Fam. My name's <laughs> Nate Heininger, and I'm joined, as always, by my go-host, Ben Samorka. It's a year of the slap. Slaps are <laughs> it in. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, and uh, this week, we are going to talk about some injury updates and the transactions that have followed. We're going to talk about the continued success of the Baby Birds. We're going to talk about the pitching staff and the continued need to support that. And some news and notes around the league. Yes, including the slap heard round <laughs> our little corner of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> If you have an idea for the opening joke tweet us at talk about birds well Ben I've got something to talk to you about yeah I've, ha- I've had I've had a revelation okay that I need to share with you today I'm already afraid so I went um I went back to the lake last weekend okay okay this time went down. turned to Bali. the scene of the crime classic That's right yeah yep Yeah, where we were murdered in a fishing tournament. (laughs) Yeah, I I returned to the scene of my own murder, (laughs) and um, I went back. I went down there with Molly, and we brought the kids, and we're there with my parents and and my brother, his wife, and their daughter. It was good family fun all around, and uh, thought you know. I haven't been fishing with my dad directly in a long time. Molly wants to go fishing. Lola has shown some degree of interest in fishing. Uh, so I'm already, I'm already, I think I'm already going to get mad, but I'm, I'm going
1: to, I'll let you continue. Yeah. Yeah. You will be, I, um, I can feel it just based on
0: your face and knowing yeah. your dad. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, and I'd also ask them cause, cause they do that method of fishing the trolling thing, right? Where sure. you you're just scooting along and you just have lines out and you wait for the fish to to jump in and then you just sit and drink beer and, and and reel them in when you get them. Right. Something that I'm
1: like emotionally incapable of doing because of the patience required.
0: <laughs> yes um and i had tried this a little bit chris and i in our boat we had tried trolling and we we did a bad job at it yeah. <laughs> uh and so i thought like well i'll go with him and he can show me because i've never done it on my own before I've, I've never really even done it right so i need him to to help me out and so we go out um in the morning on on sunday and we get out there around eight thirty, and we fish for Maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And we caught eight fish, oh which is God. more than I caught over the full weekend. Yeah. And almost more than like our entire boat, <laughs> our, our two boats. <laughs> our catch of the week. Yeah. Or yeah. Of the weekend. Yeah. Of the weekend. It, it almost exceeded four people's output over two full days uh, in one hour. And uh, here's my revelation, though. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there. You know, I'm having a great time. This was awesome. You know, we're catching fish, catching hey, fish, fish and on
1: it. That's good time, right? there. On. We
0: had a double. I'm reeling in. Molly's reeling in. Lola's having a great time. She's like starting to get, you know, she's a little uncomfortable at first, but she reeled in a little bit. We got fish left and right more than what, you know, we know what to do with. So sitting there. And you know, I I see my dad, he's got the long gray hair, he's been (laughs) retired for a couple years. His dad has
1: transitioned to wizard in the past
0: like two years. (laughs) And um and I start thinking about the like the the tournament and all the participants and you know, all of them are retired and you know, this is all that they do. And so You're retiring. I think there is a direct Inverse relationship (laughs) between how successful you are at fishing and how much you contribute to society. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. That I've got two podcasts. I contribute so much to society. I'm never going to be able to successfully catch fish. Right.
1: So this is not you realizing that your dad is a good fisherman and he knows what to do. This is you saying that you have too much going on. How could you possibly? There's some sort of cosmic
0: at balance at play oh. here, Ben. It's so not, it's not even,
1: even you; it's the universe. Is it's against the universe? You. Wow.
0: Yeah. Not, but it's not even a. It's just. It's just how the universe works. I'm not even saying it's inherently <laughs> a good or bad thing. I'm just saying, if you no longer contribute to society, you're more likely to catch fish.
1: I, I think um, there's like a, a A to B line. I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, yeah. Ne- first off, never take an L. So I, I'm aligned <laughs> with you fully here. Right. Um, yeah, yeah I think you're a hundred percent right. And, uh, your dad is a loser and, uh, anyone who's <laughs> retired is, uh, you know, I don't know. Undesirable.
0: I'm not even saying that, but that's <laughs> fine too. Um, but so I think what we have to do, if we're going to truly be successful at, mm. uh, at this next year, which I intend to be. I think we gotta quit our jobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, deal sold. All the all the people who did the best in the tournament, none of them have jobs. <laughs> so, <laughs> what am I? What else am I supposed to take away from this? Oh, I. You don't
1: have to sell. I'm on board whether we catch fish or not. So <laughs> let's do it. I'm moving down to the lake with Ray. I can uh scrub a dock or uh whatever he does, move no, rocks. I don't even know what the guy does.
0: I don't know. I think it's scrubbing docks and moving rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes, too. That's nice. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. So, it was only that, you know, that's that morning, that lovely morning on the boat that I had that uh that revelation. Yeah, and, and um, did you share that with your dad? Nope, but <laughs> he did tell me he listens to the podcast sometimes. So, okay. Here it is. <laughs> Shout out, Ray. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, this is a good weekend, though.
1: I think fun. I might just quit my job now, and then I'm just going to like kind of use the next 365 days to baste and marinate and get ready for
0: this. And you do often baste and marinate already, so like, what is, <laughs> what's your new blend in your post-work life? I don't know, but that, that's where the flavor comes from, though, so... <laughs> I'd say like we need this Patreon and we need this podcast to really pop. But then I get worried about. That's a job. That's a job. That's a job. It becomes
1: a job. If this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Then we'd have to quit this to even catch fish. So you're right. Yeah. You have three jobs right now. Yeah. Damn. Try hard. I got
0: too many jobs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nate's classic catchphrase. (laughs)
0: Well, anyway, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs>
1: I'm doing fine. Uh, we're we're doing a we're recording after after dark tonight. Yes yeah, um, because tab after dark. tab after dark because i I had a, a lot of work items come down the pike. so that was fun. Um, but no, I'm doing fine and dandy. How about yourself?
0: Okay. Well, I got some to watch degree. some of the
1: Cardinals game, which was good that usually yeah. we'd be recording during the Cardinals game, so that was good.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's talk about what you know what we've come here to talk about. I suppose, um, you know, who's doing well, you know, who's do, doing fine. Paulie
1: Goldschmidt. Paulie Goldschmidt. Wow, I think that you can make a very short and very succinct and very strong argument that he's the best offensive player in baseball this year, uh, to this point where we're we're sitting right now. Not the best all around. Mike Trout, Shohei. You know, great players all over the place the best offensive player i think is paul goldschmidt and he could he broke records that stan musual and rogers hornsby set in the in the 20s and 50s and albert Pujols. yeah um not only some of the best cardinals of all time but some of the best players of all time some of the best right-handed hitters of all time uh uh and uh uh, obviously stan a a left-handed hitter um i'm yeah i mean the guy is possessed um what what else is there to say he's hitting the ball hard he's walking he's hitting the ball the other way he's running the bases great he's playing a great first base mvp the the mvp crown you know unfortunately nolan had a i don't know what like a two-week skid in there but paul yeah. was so hot uh he's hit over 400 for the whole month with power yeah
0: yeah it's it's been a remarkable month and um you know there's some other guys it's gonna be really interesting um Mookie Betts has had a phenomenal uh, May as well, but uh, while some of his counting stats are higher than uh, Goldie's, you know he is on a uh, you know what I would call a more potent offense that's going to create those higher counting stats. But almost every other uh, ratio uh, and underlying metric is going to point to Paul Goldschmidt having a better a better month. Um, So I'm expecting Goldschmidt will win player of the month. Not that that matters that much, but it's still fun for Arenado in April and then uh, Goldschmidt in in May.
1: And and I'm not the... I I didn't uh, find this out. I think it was mentioned on the broadcast or somebody tweeted it, but uh, Tyler O'Neill won player of the month last year. So the Cardinals are poised to have three consecutive, although, you know, like an off-season splitting them in half, uh, three consecutive player of the month awards. And I I agree with you. I think I would be surprised if... Goldie didn't win it just because of that average that he held on to the whole uh, the whole month um yeah and like i already said the power in the walks and also that just everything he does it's he's been
0: he walk off grand slam i mean what more walk off uh, grand slam
1: on a pitch that was basically low and inside it was almost yeah. out of the strike zone and he put it yeah. rose deep like it it was the yeah. guy's locked i mean in.
0: this is premium Goldschmidt. i don't know if this is the best month he's had in his career because he has had multiple mvp type seasons but um, you know this was what we've seen of goldschmidt at times but i don't think for this long that we've seen it so far and with this amount of impact i mean he is hitting everything and hitting with hard uh and it's awesome man like you know his whole thing the the book on goldschmidt has always been that like april and may going to be a little rough but once the summer months start coming you know he heats up and and, and we've seen that now you know he's it, been a cardinal it, for several years and it, it's it is what it is right
1: is it conceivable that he is going to get hotter as it gets hotter outside that doesn't cannot, seem like
0: you can keep going up from where he's I at cannot imagine him doing better than what he just I mean like we just said he you know he set the record for most extra base hits by a cardinal in a month Uh, at breaking the tie between Sam Mutual and Albert Pujols um, at 23 extra base hits in a month. Um, He has a, I believe it's now 22 game hitting streak, which is a lot of games. And uh, it's like a 35 or 36 on base streak. Uh, It's, it's truly remarkable. And I mean, you know, the Cardinal offense has been good in different ways. Uh, over the last month we've talked about the the sort of resurgence of the cardinal offense and you know we've seen guys like Donovan chipping in Carlson before he got hurt was looking good Edmund continues to be uh you know productive not nearly as much as he was in April uh, but like Goldie has put the team on his back and I think uh you know this is what it looks like when you have an MVP player carrying a team to success the Cardinals record is as, the best it's been after the sweep of the Padres uh today. Best we've seen of the year. And the Cardinals are looking as good as they've ever looked uh this year. And it's pretty much because uh every time Paul Goldschmidt comes to the lineup, you're like, I mean, it feels like it's a guaranteed double, if not more.
1: Yeah, he uh over the 27 games in May, OPS 1288. And not yeah, bad. I think it's not Obviously, anytime a player goes off and gets on a hot streak like that, that is extremely good for the team. But a time when Tyler O'Neill is down, when Steven Matz goes down, Dylan Corlson isn't contributing, Jack Flaherty isn't contributing, Nolan went cold. Obviously, we had some production from the Baby Birds, which we'll talk about. But when all of those names are names that maybe you ne- didn't necessarily count on for absolute uh, production, all of those things added up together make a huge hole in this team. We have Brendan yeah. Donovan starting in right field uh, some nights, and and you know I I didn't think anybody um, in, in February really thought that that was going to be a part of the plan at all. We kind of I think all probably penciled in 150 plus starts from each of the three main outfielders, and yeah. they ba- two of those have basically not contributed. Um, so it couldn't have come at a better time. It is, I, I think what you like, his back must be tired. What he is doing is saving <laughs> the Cardinal season right now. Um, yeah. and he's not doing that by himself. Like that should be talked about, uh, for sure. Like, uh, our, our, uh, you know, Bader tots has, has turned up and has been playing really, really great defense. in that Padres series, he made a couple of catches that very few other center fielders make. And his bat is heated up a little bit too. But yeah. yeah, to get back to that, he didn't talk about Goldie. Um, he he couldn't have get this gotten this hot at a better time, and it's so opposite of his normal thing that I'm like we're like in uncharted territory. There's you know this big wide green meadow in front of us, and I don't really know <laughs> what, what's he going to do next.
0: Um, yeah, well it's I mean it's it's what we all you know had dreams when the Cardinals acquired Goldschmidt. You know he'd come off of uh, you know there's questions of like was peak Goldschmidt done? You know, do Cardinals have decline Goldschmidt and even decline Goldschmidt, which it kind of looked like we might have in like 2019 and and, and you know in 2020, like still super valuable player, uh, one of the better. You know, when you add in his defense and just general baseball awareness, like I'll take what we got from Goldschmidt in those years every year, and you'd be happy with it. But there's always been this little bit of like, man, remember Goldschmidt, like yeah. peak at Diamondback years. You know, he was best player in the league uh or he was you know in conversation for best player of the league and only reason he didn't doesn't have MVPs under his belt is because he ran into seasons like Bryce Harper's 2015 where he had like one of the best seasons in baseball history and you know and there's been some good talent in the league alongside him and um you know this is only a month but uh you know he was still okay in April and considering his track record of June, July, August and September just being better like, you know. I I we said it from the beginning but like, you know, uh, I think this is the type of year that puts a guy like Paul Goldschmidt back on a Hall of Fame track, reestablishes him as a, you know, cornerstone player of the team and if Arenado starts to heat up which he looked a lot better in this uh Padre series, particularly the last two games like You know, this is this is the dream of having Goldschmidt and Arenado in your lineup back to back, right?
1: Yeah, I I think you know, and pick whatever uh, war, b war, f war that you want to. I happen to have Baseball Reference up in front of me right now, but Paul Goldschmidt in is it forty seven games has already surpassed his Baseball Reference war from his twenty nineteen season, his first season with the Cardinals, and that was one hundred and sixty one games. I think why I say that is first off, holy. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Impressive. But it also like there was the Derek Gould story about the bat. You know, there's been conversations about him grinding and and looking at tape and there was just a story, you know, and this is one of those anecdotal anecdotal narrative things. But, you know, the team is kind of slowly rolling in to the uh, clubhouse for a day game. And Paul Goldschmidt's already, you know, deep in Nick Martinez video and he's watching it like the ability for this guy to uh, change and adjust and adapt To the game around his physical skills, whether it's the bat, the approach, the workout, whatever the hell he's doing, I think is like that. That is what gets you to the Hall of Fame. Um, Yeah. And like, I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know, but we're seeing that. We're seeing that happen in real time and we're seeing the results and we're seeing him not just defy the aging curve or whatever you want to call it, but he is leading the league in hits. He is leading the league in average slugging OPS total bases OPS plus. Like he is, like I said (laughs) at the beginning of this, the best offensive player in baseball, this isn't a hot streak or whatever. I mean, it is, but, uh, you know, that those are, those are real and those are are tangible. And that is him. I mean, this is what he's doing.
0: Well, yeah, it'd be different. Like if it was, you know, let's say it was like Yepes or somebody who yeah. was having uh, the best month and he was the best player in baseball for that month. Everyone would be like, This is great, but like, you know, this is probably the best month of his career. <laughs> When's uh, it
1: gonna drop? Yeah,
0: yeah, but Goldschmidt, he's not gonna sustain this, but you're like, This is what he does when he is truly locked in and he has done this a lot over his career. Um, you know, we just don't normally see it this early and, and really this sustained. Um, that on base streak is remarkable. A 22 uh, game hitting streak is remarkable. Uh, yeah, he's locked in. It's a ton of fun. Um, I mean, what more could you ask for? And I just uh, hope th- that uh he keeps it going and Aredato steps up and, uh, you know, we get tie ties looking like he might be coming back soon. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. You know, the only thing I can even compare this, I'm just trying to think of when's the last time as a Cardinals fan, I felt like this, like Matt holiday had some, some halves yeah. of seasons. Um, and then I, I, know for sure at MVP season of his, uh, and I can't think of the year off the top of my head, but uh, MVP season of his got derailed by injury. Um, but that was really the last guy that I can think of where we're watching something happen and people, not only can they not get him out, but he's just crushing the ball everywhere. Yeah, um,
0: I, maybe a Matt Carpenter circa 2012, 2013 season, you know, where yeah. what was the season a particular where he hit, Cubs series? What's the <laughs> What's the season where um Carpenter hit 50 doubles? You know, that, it just felt that was like was his like first full
1: season in the in the bigs when he was playing uh second base. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. It it was like he's either going to draw a walk because he understands the strike zone better than anyone else in baseball. Or he's going to rope one down the right field line, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of, I think we have this later in the in the. Want to uh, talk
1: some Marp real quick?
0: Yeah, we have to. You know, yeah, great transition. Um, what a stash!
1: <laughs> I mean, that's really what the story is. Like, it's nice to see a couple of balls go over that short porch uh, there at yeah. Yankee Stadium. But for, I'll tell you, I'm just gonna I'm going to take a bold stance here. I thought Matt Carpenter's beard was bad. Okay. It looked dyed. <laughs> it looked manufactured like if, if it, it looked like a SNL skit beard or something like that. It just I yeah. did not love it. Um and the mustache is so good that I'm I'm th- I'm thinking about growing my own, maybe. I don't know. Like I wanna be like Matt Carpenter. It looks like Doctor Robotnik. <laughs> <laughs> like like the Jim Carrey Doctor Robotnik? Or, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like he's come up, he, first off it should be like, it's crazy that, uh, the Rangers who have actually had a pretty good may, they, they, I thought that they were going to just drown. Um, uh, but they have actually had a pretty good May, and, and Corey Seager is heating up and Simeon finally hit a home run. Nice. First one of the year, like a month and a half in. Yeah. Um, but Carpenter was playing really well. They, know, they wouldn't call him up and now he's coming up and he's got a 165 WRC plus, um, in. Super limited time, but he's yeah. walking and he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And obviously, like, if you're a left handed hitter, there's no better stadium to hit than in Yankee Stadium. So,
0: well, the Yankees have gone after guys like that. You know, we talked about, or, um, you know, Odor was mentioned as like a, a comp of like someone who basically failed out of the league in one team and they took a shot on him. And he didn't particularly like blow anyone away with the Yankees, but, uh, you know, he was pretty serviceable and I think you would bet on the skills of carp uh returning more than you'd bet on the skills of Odor, even though carp had been pretty rough for several years now. Uh, the, the Rangers one is interesting and I actually, I kind of like the story. Basically the Rangers, you know, for whatever reason made like the business decision that they were not going to call up Matt Carpenter. I guess they have maybe some younger guys that they want to play or, I don't know. Maybe they just don't want to win more games and they are, uh, you know, (laughs) trying to, uh, you know, improve their draft pick. I don't know. He had an over 900 OPS in their minor league system. So like uh, he should have been called up if they were actually trying to compete. And they basically said, you don't have we will not be calling you up so we are releasing you right uh so that you can get a shot to play somewhere else which is cool that's nice of them you know they don't have to do that they could just keep him there and you know let their triple a team you know have a have a veteran guy or whatever and then said they let him let him go to pursue uh you know opportunities elsewhere which is nice and and i'm glad he caught on you know yankees it's a good spot we get all get to laugh at his mustache now uh which is i think it's a win win for everyone yeah I, I also
1: think carp getting love from you know big media out in on the east coast is good like carpenter is an underrated player he has been for a long time it's not like a hall of fame guy or anything but somebody who is fame. cardinal hall of fame um yeah. and he's just he's been a great player for a long time and he's kind of unheralded what percentage of the odor and the carpenter signing do you think cashman is just him kind of being like i want to see what these guys faces look like Cause there are two like S <laughs> tier uh, beards that are now, yeah. well they're uh, Odors is back now. They just on the Orioles, but yeah. he's just like, I just want to see what this looks like.
0: Um, it's not 0%. But <laughs> okay. yeah,
1: he's that he's weighing that in. There's at the it's round in table
0: there. in the Yankee it's stadium. In... Yeah. Some guys like
1: cash, think about that beard. What's under there? that
0: beard. Maybe they're like doing it as a favor. They're like, Cartman, that beard's gotta go. It's just, it's not a good look. You got a, you got a handsome face, buddy. Why you, why you hiding it? Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and I guess all that being said, I shouldn't be really judging a uh, famous baseball player and how they look, but
0: I am. Damn it. What what else? What else do do podcasters have to talk about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no baseball to talk about. Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about M-
1: Marp's beard. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, we wish him the best. I, uh, you know, who who among us as Cardinal fans are not huge Mart fans? And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm it, very like, hopeful
1: got, that he like pokes 20 bombs over that and, and maybe fun. gets a deal or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and like I said, I mean, I think we're going to see, Car- uh, Marp as a, like, a fixture for the Cardinals for a very long time. Uh, I think he's going to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame and he'll be around. So, uh, well, moving on. Um, a few updates on some injuries. Ben, what do you want to talk about first? Well, two. we had two shoulder impingements uh, on two
1: players that are pretty important to the Cardinals. One being Steven Matz. One being Tyler O'Neal. Uh, And both of them were kind of, oh, well, what's going to happen? What does this return look like? They finally, I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of the medical here. But they finally, like took a look inside his shoulder.
0: <laughs> just Peeled very... it open. <laughs> yeah.
1: They opened the door <laughs> that's in the back of everyone's shoulder. Uh, and they found a bunch of fluid, fluid uh, and inflammation. Guess what? He got a cortisone shot. It cleared a lot of that out. I'm sure some of that fluid was drained, which is always fun. Uh, so that's somewhere. Maybe that's for sale somewhere by some Toneal, uh, uh You just
0: talked <laughs> yourself into a real gross little corner. What, <laughs> what do you want to do with that? Uh, what would you do with that fluid if you got... O'Neal's i think, shoulder fluid i think i'd try to use it you
1: know try to get big and strong and fast like him you think um, it's
0: the yeah that makes sense so he's like he's so ripped that he just leaks like <laughs> fluid I that be some
1: low level superhero like super low level where i like can play you know, very kind of well like at like in local the hospital pickup baseball games <laughs> 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 yeah as i'm dying Uh, no. Okay. Back on topic. He got a cortisone shot. The leak or it stopped leaking or whatever. I don't know anything about medicine. Um,
0: we are the worst. (laughs) This is so ineffective at what we're trying to communicate.
1: Okay. Here I'll reset Matt Carpenter and Steven Matz both got cortisone shots in their shoulder. It is improving Steven Matz through. We're happy about that. Tyler O'Neill is starting to do baseball activities. Um, so obviously like shoulder things, cortisone shots, they're not ideal, but it seems like it's working, it's responding quickly. And I think we actually have a timetable on both of these guys coming back now. And with what's been going on with our pitching depth, that like it, it's funny to say this, but because pitching is the bigger problem right now, and the offense has been humming along on the back of Goldie, you know, Tyler, I I'm more like, take your time, get healthy, take some time in triple a find your swing. Cause we all know his swing, his timing and everything wasn't perfect when he was right. fully healthy. So take your time. And then Matt's on the other hand, you know, obviously you don't want to rush anything when it comes to health and specifically shoulder health for a pitcher, but get the guy, we need him back and, or, or the Cardinals need to do something. Um, but yeah, anyways, good news.
0: Yeah, it is good news. Any, I mean, those were such vague injuries. It was like,
1: are they Yeah, you, we had to
0: look up what an impingement was. Yeah. Um with all our vast <laughs> medical knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, I mean, Matt's has had ups and downs, but um, I think yeah, it it would be very good to have Matt's back in the rotation. Um, because I think we're both still long term believers in Matt's, and I think he can figure it out and be very, very effective in this rotation. But he's not gonna do that on the IL. So uh hopefully he comes back soon.
1: Yeah. And, and Matt's, you know, just to expand on what you're saying a little bit, like he, he has not had an easy go of his early Cardinals career. His peripherals look great. He's less than two walks, uh, uh, per nine over 10 K's per nine. His FIP is in the fours, which isn't amazing, um, but good. And he's got a six ERA to show. So I think, you know, it it can be annoying, especially with almost 40 innings. Like we need production now, Matt's, um, but, you know, you can kind of look at everything that's going on and, and hopefully him getting healthy and that either he's going to
0: make the Cardinals better when he comes back.
1: That's I don't yeah. think can be argued.
0: Well, and, you know, if it just means that uh, our, our uh, you know, personal podcast favorite Packy not and, uh, you know, maybe doesn't have to start anymore, not that it's been terrible or anything, but still like. You know, he he's not a starter right now. So being able yep. to have mats in there would be much better.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great transition in the next topic. I think we, you know, we were talking last week about who's going to get the starts, who makes sense. We I think we kind of pegged Jake Wood, Woodford, maybe Andre Pallante. There are definitely options. But Packy came back up. And, and something that I thought was interesting is that Jake Woodford was sent down uh, for the second time this month. Uh, and uh, Oliver... <laughs> Oliver Marmol. I don't ever call him that. Oliver Marmol uh, said yes. it wasn't, wasn't performance related, which is interesting. So, you know, of course the, the good beat writers that help us all out said, well, what's going on. And he specifically said that he needs to go down to AAA because of the shape of the slider. The slider is uh, it's not tunneling. Well, it's not biting well. Um, and first off, I guess we can talk about what that means. Um, but I, I, I Just love the fact that we have a manager that will sit down with the media and say, hey, this guy is going down because of this specific problem. We want him to work on this specific problem, and then he'll come back up and probably have meaningful innings.
0: Yeah, it is nice. I will say, though, um, saying it's not performance related, but we need him to go down and get and perform so he can perform better <laughs> is, <laughs> is a little bit of a, you know, um, misleading, but I, I, I think I get what but he's Wood, saying, but Woodford know.
1: hasn't been performing bad. Like he has a, a 2.25 yeah. ERA. Like, I think that's where that's right. coming from. And I think it's, they're
0: saying it would be, it, it could be a lot. It will get worse. Right. He will regress if we don't fix this ahead of time which yes. is cool like that i like you said i don't think we've seen that very often i think like i get the sense that shill would have like woodford would be our number one starter right now <laughs> throwing eight innings a day because of his 2.25 era you know and instead marmal and i'm assuming partnership with the analytics team in the front office are saying like Results have been good, but we are worried about the longevity of of this performance, and we want to get ahead of it and have you fix your slider before the league catches up with you.
1: And I think it's, you know, it's I, I would I would never call the way that Moe and Gersh act like uh uh desperate or anything like that. But I think it, you know, clearly the team needs help with pitching right now. Clearly, Woodford's results have been pretty good on the field, but they still are valuing his overall progression as a player his future whether it be months down the road or next year over helping the pitching staff out right now and that's i guess why you go get a packy naughton um, or whoever it might be to kind of give you extra extra depth around there so i just love that that is the way that ali is looking at it and mo is looking at it and more than that that
0: they're telling us what's happening (laughs) yeah it is nice um well let's Let's uh, talk about some of the the guys that are doing well and, and um, some of the um, uh, repercussions of these injuries. Uh, I think we have to start with Libertor. Yeah. Uh, You know, he is a a beneficiary of the, of the innings struggle. Uh, You know, we, we all knew it was likely that 2022 would be his year to be a part of the rotation. None of us expected it to be this soon. Um, I don't. Obviously, the Cardinals didn't even. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. It certainly seems like he is uh, establishing himself as a member of this rotation, sort of. No matter what happens and who comes back.
1: Yeah, you know, we kind of talked about his first start, about how it's really hard to gleam anything off of a 22-year-old kid making his big league debut with his family in the stadium and all the yeah. narrative and the national and Corey media. Dickerson field, you know. <laughs> Corey
0: Dickerson in left field.
1: Corey Dickerson in left field. And you could just tell, you know, you watched that first start in Pittsburgh and the stuff wasn't sharp. And I'm sure some people were like, this is the kid. This is the prospect that everybody's been talking about. But then he comes out and that in his first start in uh, Bush Stadium and everything looks sharp, right sharp right off the bat. The fastball he was able to get in on righties. Um, it was hitting ninety four, ninety five, somewhat consistently. The breaking balls looked great. There, you know, there was kind of some. Some bashing, not even bashing, just kind of downplaying of his curveball effectiveness and the minors and kind of, I, I know there are reports of some people saying that it was, uh, you could see it out of the hand easily and it's a little, got a bit of a hump to it and, and big league hitters are going to recognize it. Then he comes up to the bigs at Bush and he is burying that thing in the dirt. People are swinging over it. He didn't get a ton of strikeouts. He had, it went five innings, two hits, six Ks and three walks. Um, I mean, that's over a K per nine. You will take that uh, every day, Right. He looked great and, and I know like, you know, take all this kind of thing for whatever it's worth, but he just looks, he looks like he's supposed to be there, which is always nice. Like big tall guy. He's got kind of the Chris Carpenter like disposition where he just seems very serious about everything. Has his mouth
0: open a lot.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and he looked great, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, it's fun. And oh um, my God, did the Cardinals need five innings from him? Yes. Uh, just like in today's game, the Cardinals absolutely needed as much from uh Dakota Hudson, and I cannot believe they got seven innings out of him against the Padres. That was almost huge. the entire bullpen was out today. And uh we had a, a, a good uh Whitley sighting and uh you know made the end of the game interesting. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so.
1: yeah I, I thought Whitley was I thought he was gonna be a little more of a factor this year. And that just, yeah, that just has not been happening.
0: Relievers, you know, it's, 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 it's so fickle. Um, well, let's keep talking about the, the, the young guys a little bit more. Uh, you know, we, we suffered, we (laughs) suffered our, our gouramania went unchecked. We weren't doing Uh, well for a while. We weren't doing well. Ben was drinking shoulder fluid. We were struggling. People
1: pulled me aside and asked me about it.
0: Very serious conversations. Yeah. And um, I got to say, the Gormania is. Well, now I don't know how this metaphor is working because <laughs> I was going to say it's going away because it's been cured because we're getting Gorman now, but it's also flaring up because he's looking great.
1: Yeah, I don't want to make too many jokes about like a disease spreading or anything right now, because uh, that might hit a little too close to home for me and and probably everyone. Yeah. Um, but it's all over the place. It's fantastic. I think, like I knew, I knew, you know, watching some of the clips from the minor leagues and, and reading the things and, and the the power grade, the the seventy power grade that scouts give them and all this stuff, I, I knew that this was going to happen. But the guy hits the ball so hard every time it seems yeah. like he makes contact, it is screaming a hundred plus miles per hour. Defenders can't even make a move on it. they've already uh he's been shifted in in the majority of his at bats and he has drilled the ball into the shift hard enough where people aren't catching it. um He's already had a max exit velo of one o ten of 110. Um, his hard hit percentage is over 50%. He's walking more. I mean, everything other than the defense, everything has been great. And I think if I had a gripe, I I, I would gripe about the idea that he hasn't, uh, DH'd as much as I thought he would. I thought, especially, um, with, uh, Sosa kind of playing a little bit better, it would make sense to have Tommy Edmond at second Sosa at short and then Gorman at, uh, uh, at DH. Um, and I guess if I have one other gripe and I'm sure the Cardinals and Ollie definitely have their reason for that, but I'm surprised that we basically have seen him completely protected from facing left-handed pitching.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the Cardinals have been really good against left-handed hit or pitchers this right. season. And, uh, you know, that is their big excuse to get poo holes in the lineup too. And I, I think it's been like, they don't really need it yet you know, and so let's, let's let him get acclimated to the big leagues and be successful in the thing that we know he's six can be successful in and sort of, I, I assume their plan long-term obviously is for him to be an everyday player, but why right. not sort of isolate him right out of the gates? I mean, he's only had 36 plate appearances, so everything is still incredibly small sample size. Uh But um yeah, I mean, I, I would love to just, you know, let the big dog eat, you know, but um <laughs> But uh, but I really you know, sound like a
1: grizzled veteran right there. Yeah, I know what I'm talking
0: about. Um, uh, yeah, I think um, you know, what stands out to me the most, besides the the hard hit rate that you talked about, which was expected, um, but it's still nice to see at the big league level. The thing that stands out to me the most is his 14% walk rate. Uh, yeah, you know that's not gonna stick. Um, you know he's usually been down at like a eight seven percent ish you know in his career so nearly doubling it but what i do like is that shows that he is you know really really thinking about his approach now that you know in his major league uh debut and and it's working he does have an over 500 BABIP, so we expect some regression Um, obviously he's not going to have a 224 wrc plus (laughs) for his entire career um But, I mean, what more could you ask for from a a highly touted prospect getting called up and kind of mashing right out of the gates and drawing walks, which is the big thing. Like, striking out and drawing walks, that's the stuff to look at right now. We know he's going to hit the ball hard. But does he maintain a a solid strikeout rate and maintain a solid walk rate? And that's how I think you project that long-term success. And those look good. Yeah. And
1: he's the kind of guy that comes up for the minors and the teams already have a book on him, right? Like they know they're not just like, okay, I'm just going to try to get this kid out. They have, they know what they're, they have a plan of attack. And the fact that he's able to be aware of that, understand how people are pitching him and kind of adjust to it. Obviously, like you're talking about the league will adjust again and he'll have to adjust again and we'll, we'll go through all that. Um, but yeah, everything looks really, really good. And I think, yeah, there, there are some real numbers to grab onto, to get excited about already
0: yeah. um the other guy we want to talk about real quick is uh palante who neil um, yeah I just, I just
1: learned that his first name is actually neil not oh andre. really yeah it's neil andre palante uh,
0: okay well yeah andre andre palante is a lot better. cooler it is than better. neil yeah good choice
1: <laughs> but yeah, he's been fantastic. He's got uh 25 and a third already, a one Oh seven ERA and a three, four, one FIP. So obviously he's pitching a little above his head. And I think we'd all probably want a little more uh, strikeouts from him, but the fact that he is, he's taking over some high leverage and multi-inning um, there's even talk about him maybe slotting in for a start here soon. Uh, he's been every, like, he's been fantastic. He's been better than advertised in the sense that I don't think I really knew who he was. Uh, five months ago or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, all three of these guys have kind of really carried the Cardinals, especially in May.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, we've got a lot more to talk about, um, but before we do, we want to remind everyone that this show is supported on Patreon. If you enjoy the show, want to contribute to its growth, show your appreciation we would appreciate if you went to patreon.com talking about birds through us a couple bucks a month uh it, it really does help and um, anyone who contributes gets access to the bird scored that's our private uh, discord server where we're talking about games we're posting pictures we're having a great time in the in the bird scored and uh, we'd love to have you there so check it out. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, we also appreciate anyone and everyone who has left us a nice review on the podcast app. It just takes a couple minutes. It helps. We love it. We love you. <laughs> ben, why don't you tell the people where they can find us online?
1: Five star reviews only. all right
0: we never take an l (laughs) that's right
1: uh yeah make sure to follow us on twitter at talk about birds um you can follow us on instagram at talking about birds and if you have any questions comments concerns if you just want to chat with us or more specifically nate uh you can email email us at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com you know we've talked about this in the past nate just recorded his other podcast tonight ask him about video games he's a nerd look at i mean look at him um (laughs) <laughs> oh so cute uh outside of that make sure to follow us uh if spotify is your preferred listening platform we're on there too uh outside of that tell your friends steal phones subscribe for us um but yeah we we appreciate everything
0: steal a phone subscribe to it go to jail <laughs> get all of their phones Ooh, subscribe phones, to it yes jail phones that's our um, market inefficiency
1: <laughs> there are so many phones in jail
0: yeah we know a thing or two about jail <laughs> yeah a couple
1: of i don't even know what
0: what rough what? riders all right uh, <laughs> just a few more uh cardinal uh points oh that we want to talk about um we've mentioned it a bunch this episode and really just on uh, like probably every episode since our reboot we've said that the cardinals need uh starting pitching support. Uh, I don't think anyone disagrees. Um a recent development has sparked some conversation amongst uh you know the cardinal faithful Dallas Keuchel uh former Cy Young winner but really hasn't been very effective for quite a while now was recently DFA'd. Um but that I mean, you know, uh, it is basically exactly the type of people that the Cardinals uh, yeah. target. Your J. A. Haps, your John Lester's. Um, so of course, everyone's thinking like, "Well, there's the target. That's the guy the Cardinals are going to go and get." Um, what What do you think about that? I, I don't
1: know. I, I I am conflicted while also understanding that and we've talked about the reality of these moves the JA Happ and the John Lester move which honestly if you put those two pitchers in a blender Dallas Keuchel might come out um <laughs> it was a nice Dallas Keuchel <laughs> a lot Keuchel. of shoulder juice slurpy yeah <laughs> yeah um and and they saved the team and there's a 17 game winning streak and all of the the good times were had that is very true and i don't think you should ignore that um, I also don't think you should ignore that Dallas Keuchel has a 58% ground ball percentage in his career. Um, and in limited, limited innings this year, he had a little over 50%. Um, and he has been a ground ball pitcher, uh, a finesse pitcher his entire career. This is who the Cardinals have actively targeted. Uh, he's a left-hander. I don't know if there's any actual value in that. I, I think the Cardinals don't really uh, care about that. And I'm not sure I really care about that. Like having I think it's important in the lineup, but in the pitching stuff, I think that's a bit irrelevant. Um, so all that said, there's a lot of good, a lot of good there, right? Um, he would be cheap because nobody's going to pick up that salary. You'd pay him league minimum, you know, prorated 715 or whatever the new league minimum is. All those things to be said, do I think he's worth taking a flyer? I kind of do. I, yeah, I, I, in the sense that the Cardinals need innings. Now, I think, that if something like that were to happen, it would be like the dude's on a tightrope, like a start by start basis, and I think yeah. that you would he, he has been so ineffective. I mean he called himself ineffective when they put him put him uh down on waivers. He was like, yeah I hundred percent get why they're doing this. I'm not shocked to hear this news at all. um obviously not happy about it. but all that to be said. Ineffectiveness. He he fits the Cardinals profile. He is cheap. You don't you're not gonna lose anything to do him, to do him, to pick him up. Um solid beard, S tier beard again. We're talking a lot about facial hair this episode. Mm -hmm. All that to be said, would I like it? No. Should the Cardinals do it? Probably. Probably.
0: Yeah. When like what right now, what is like the huge difference between a packing knot and start and a shot at Dallas Keuchel. Um, as long as you do have that short leash, which the Cardinals have not known for their short leashes. So that's where I am a little bit worried is that like they'd get him and it'd be like, all right, he's in the rotation for two and a half months before any decision is made. Yeah. So
1: yeah. And, and you know, it'd be, I'd be curious of how they would handle this. You know, it, it, let's say they picked him up tomorrow. Would he go to triple a, And would he kind of get in the Cardinal system and kind of, you know, talk to the various pitching coaches and and talk to the development staff and they would say, hey, um, Dallas, we love you, but throw this pitch
0: away and this is what we need you to do. We're going to need you to pitch better. We love (laughs) you, Dallas. We love you, but we're going to need you to do a little better.
1: I, you know, he, he's like not a, not a spin rate King or anything like that. Like, you, and I'm not going to pretend I know as much as the Cardinals front office, but you know, if there's some adjustment that you could make, if there's something that you see, um, it's absolutely worth a shot. So I think, I, I think I'm pro move. I'm pro that move in general. Um, I would very much like to see that he's not going to be walking almost six guys per nine innings before that happens. Um, yeah. And that or that being said, if you know the rotation is in tatters right now, there we might just need innings at this point. It, right. Like it might not like this whole conversation about his effectiveness might be irrelevant because we just need somebody to come in and hopefully not get completely destroyed. But yeah, I, I think your your packy not ca- comparison is it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and yeah, to add in, or I guess to reiterate the idea of if the guy's getting blown up and he's walking people all over the place, you know, move on, be, be ready to do both of
0: those things. Well, and if the offense is actually like legit good this year, um, you know, having a guy that goes, your fifth starter gives you five, six innings, maybe gives up five runs, but you can steal a couple of those. Uh, you know, um, there, there are worse things. Uh, you know, you know, when, when Flaherty comes back, if Dallas Keichel's
1: the guy that gives Flaherty an extra day of rest, that's value. Like there yeah. are ways to use this player um, that makes sense. But yeah. again, I just really feel like I need to reiterate the fact that he has been getting his ass handed to him in yeah. Chicago. So it's been bad. <laughs> all that needs to be again. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, we haven't heard anything. I, I would not be surprised. It is such a Cardinals move. I would not be it's, surprised.
0: That I think that's why you know there's so much buzz around it. It's like, oh, like guy who used to be good but has been kind of shitty for a while now, but has a ground, high ground ball rate. Right? Uh, get him in here, bring him in. Let's see what happens. I,
1: I can already hear the Jim Hayes story of Dallas coming in and he's you know he's talking to Wayno and he's talking to Yachty, and he, oh yeah. he's talking to Mad Dog and. Uh, think he's found something and he's happy to be here and oh this defense you know who wow. can not who wouldn't be a good pitcher in baseball front of this heaven
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love jimmy but he says the same thing every time
0: uh all right so the only other thing i uh, we've got a um we've got a, a five game series against the cubs yeah uh happening uh, over the weekend and first of all just a five game series over four days is ridiculous, but talk, I'm talking about baseball heaven though. That's, yeah. I was going to say, I'm kind of super excited about it, right? Like, uh, what is it? The Cardinals have 29 games over the next 30, um, yeah. but there are a few off days in there because of so, these double headers and whatnot.
1: Yeah. Three off days in June, two double headers equals there's baseball. There's almost more baseball than there is days. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty exciting. Talk, talk about needing innings, by the way.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, you know, Cardinals are playing really, really well. The Cubs are not, uh, you know, they, they have a, they're not an awful team. We even talked earlier in the season about like, they could surprise people. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they are a team that's making good moves. They seem to have a cohesive, um, you know, sort of rebuild happening. Um, so they're not horrible. Um, but they're also not super good either. So, uh,
1: Yeah, they they took a step forward. Wilson Contreras is having an you know maybe not an MVP season but an MVP of the Cubs type season. Um, What is too bad, and I think what I'm disappointed about. First off, I just think baseball's better when when this guy's healthy. But a Suzuki just went down on the 10 day DL, so he or IL, sorry. Um, So we're not going to see him, uh, which would be our first real taste. I've, I've got to see him play the Rockies, which has been really fun. Um, but I was very much looking forward to watching him for four games in a series and have him, you know, hopefully get excited about being in this this fun thing that he's going to be in for the next what is it six or seven years? So yeah. disappointed about that. Um, we'll get a uh, we'll get a Marcus Stroman start though, which I think will uh, I think could be a little spicy. It's going to be spicy <laughs> on Twitter. I don't know how spicy <laughs> it's going to be in real life. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's it's a good opportunity. The Cardinals coming off of. A, uh, I think a successful series against the Brewers. Obviously, we would love to have taken three of four or, you know, even four of four against the Brewers at home, but it's hard to argue with a split against another really good team. Uh, and then they sweep the Padres, who are playing very well this year, uh, despite their injuries and despite some of their inconsistencies. And so now, uh, you know, back to back series against difficult teams going into a five game series, which again is ridiculous against a you know, a bottom team, you, you'd expect the Cardinals to do well. So, um, you know, it seems like a good chance to, to pick up some wins. Uh, you know, I'm not in the prediction business here, but it'd be pretty disappointing <laughs> if they don't take at least three of them. Right. If not four or five.
1: Well, yeah, just like you said that the team, like the Cardinals needs to go into Chicago and beat the crap out of a team like the Cubs are right now. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to be, a, I think, a really big weekend, for the central uh and by that i mean the brewers and the cardinals the cardinal uh the uh, padres who nate just said the cardinals kind of whipped on a little bit which was a ton of fun are going into milwaukee hopefully uh hopefully manny's mad and he's going to take some out on the brewers pitching staff um but yeah i'm going to be kind of watching both of those series this weekend watching obviously what the cardinals are doing with the cubs but even not more importantly but obviously it's uh the matchup is much more even or much more compelling with the the brewers versus the Padres. So, um, you know, the Cardinals are creeping up. They're two and a half games away from the brewers right now. We could look up by next episode and the Cardinals could be sitting in first place. Um, yeah. And it's, and and maybe should be like, I like not in the prediction business, but Cubs aren't good.
0: Yeah. Um, it's still relatively early in the season for, for scoreboard watching, but, um, you know, it's, I it's just want that not, first place, though. It's not too early for us, yeah. <laughs> well, Ju- June is when you really start to say, like, you know, if you've been playing the whole year, like, small sample size, you can start to pull that tag away, you know, and you can start to say, like, these teams are what they appear to be, yeah. you know, and um, Cardinals certainly appear to be like a contending team for the NL Central title, and uh, it's, it's definitely – we thought it would be but now we know for sure it's down to brewers and the cardinals and it's just gonna be who can have the next best uh you know three months yeah you know it's funny you say that like i think if i was trying to assign an identity
1: to the cardinals in spring training i don't think that like mashing and uh running wild on the bases would been the ways that i described them and here you go their their team wrp c plus is super high and they believe they still lead the league in steals. I. I mean, obviously they, just the, they have the, yeah. they have the speed to do it, but, uh, they're actually doing it.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, we're, we're saying everyone is stealing bases. They, there, there was a, I think it was Gould did a really good article about their approach to stolen bases and just like the, the way they're reading the pitchers and this like team effort about, um, you know, taking bases when possible and, uh, they're doing it. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know what so, I have
1: to say about that?
0: What? It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Hey, <laughs> all right. Uh Speaking of a lot of fun, maybe the best. Not maybe. dumbest <laughs> story that has ever happened in baseball occurred over the last week. <laughs> I, I truly don't even know. I feel like I'm going to struggle to talk about this because I just. I'm I in love locked it. in. I love it so much. But then, yeah, yeah. well, you, I feel like you, you're going to be able to break this down a little bit better than I can.
1: And I I don't, I'm not going to do a play by play for every, I I think a lot of people have been paying attention. I'll do a super high level. Uh, But essentially what happened, Jack Peterson was out, he was doing, he was grounding himself, which is uh, something that I'm not even super familiar with. But it's the idea of walking around outside without shoes on so that your feet are touching the ground. It's kind of like a, a spiritual kind of centering practice so just imagine that jack peterson who's kind of a doof but i think a lovable doof is walking around the like outfield with yeah. their mental health coach or their uh their mental conditioning coach and they're you know having probably a, a an interesting conversation about spirituality and, and baseball and life and all that stuff and our friend friend of the pod <laughs> revenge Bam, tour revenge tour himself <laughs> my goodness i i saw somebody point out like of course, this is a guy that gets stabbed outside of a strip club. He just can't like, <laughs> he can't just shut up or, or not even shut up, that. but like just chill out, um, just not be involved in bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack, Jack is grounding himself. Tommy Fam walks up, and Tommy Fam essentially says, "You remember? You remember uh, fantasy football?" And Jack goes, "Yeah." And Tommy walks up, smacks him, and there's a video of this smack. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend that you go seek it out because this is not a this is not a Will Smith Chris uh, Rock smack. This is a smack where where you could see Jock Peterson, who was a big strong man, and he could probably put somebody in a hospital if he wanted to. <laughs> nice. Um, he he recoils a little, big, a little bit, but little I also you know guy. yeah, <laughs> he's a big tough guy. Uh, and, and then Jock said in the in the post game or the interview or whatever after he's like, you know, I don't violence isn't the answer. He just kind of walked away at this moment. The quote the bench is clear. It's uh, not really the team's rushed to either side of the player because they're in the middle of batting practice. And there's kind of it's kind of like neutral waters. Like you don't do this, uh, which I think is the other weirdest part of it. So <laughs> that all happens. And Jock, I think, is like, I have the moral high ground here. I'm going to. <laughs> Burn! I'm going to roast Tommy Fam as much as I can. And anyways, he meets with the media. He kind of lays it all out. Hey, there we had this fantasy football uh, uh, league, uh, which we ended up finding out that Mike Trout was the commissioner of, <laughs> and there were several Padres players. Uh, there was obviously Jack Peterson. I'm assuming it was some type of uh, West uh, Division, like ALNL West Division, um, uh, fantasy football league. Anyways, Jack's. Uh, Tommy Pham claimed that Jock made an illegal move. Tommy didn't like it. He said, I'll quote Tommy Pham. So sorry for this. He's fucking with my money. Um, <laughs> and Jock admitted that they were playing fantasy football for a lot of money. And we can only assume that if like Mike Trout and Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson are in this league, that it's money that wouldn't make us all blush. Like it's it's yeah. probably pretty serious
0: money. It's um, like an an un. Like an unreasonable amount of money, probably. Oh, yeah. All these guys have too much money. Hun-
1: hundreds of thousands of dollars is my guess. Like maybe right around there. I, I don't know yeah. how much money Tommy Fam gets mad about, but that would be my guess. Um, so, anyways, that all happens. Jock kind of spills the beans, and then Tommy says he's not telling you the whole story. He disrespected me. The next day, Jock breaks out his phone and he shows that he sent a meme. It was three weightlifters. They had, it was a, a Dodgers weightlifter, a Giants weightlifter and a Padres weightlifter. And in the gif, uh, like the Mimi gif thing, the Padres weightlifter was falling underneath the heavyweights and, and the Giants and the Padres or the Giants and the Dodgers, uh, weightlifters were succeeding.
0: Um, and well, that, yeah, what- I didn't know that part. Uh, he deserves to be, get the <laughs> shit slipped, <laughs> the shit slapped out of him. You don't attack with memes. All right. Yeah. that's what he slapped him for that's so
1: stupid and then tommy said in the text i don't know you like that jock don't be don't be messing with me like that jock like we're not friends basically um so then shortly after that tommy fam left the league i guess took the l on the money i don't know how exactly that (laughs) worked um and then this so this would happen in 2019 this all or or, sorry it's 2020 um oh my god uh, so this all happened this far after that Um, and I don't know if I really have anything else to add to it. I think anyone like it's clear who the winner and loser of this situation is not only financially, but like morally and everything like that. I just think like the fact that Jack was so open with all of the ins and outs of it and Tommy was trying to tough guy his way through. What are you doing, man?
0: Yeah, uh, man. Tommy's got like there's some sort of inferiority complex going right now with him. Like all, I mean, by all accounts, you know, this probably is who he's always been, but, uh, he's just like unhinged right now. I mean, oh. when the Cardinals traded him, we were, you and I were both very big Tommy fam. Fans oh yeah. as a Cardinal, I think a lot of people were, it was a great story. He spent 10 years in the minors, had a crazy eye condition that he was able to like find the right, uh, support on. And he looked, you know, like a phenomenal player and he kind of was, but uh, you know, when he got traded, the front office was, there was a lot of talk around his trade and there was <laughs> yeah. this sort of consistent underlying element of like clubhouse, 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 you mm-hmm. know, and, and like you and I tend to um like, I think narrative gets overblown and it doesn't mean that much, but uh I think, you know these stories do give you a, a little bit more of a insight into yeah what it might be like to have actually played like alongside Tommy Fam
1: yeah and, and one other thing that I wanted to add another little interesting tidbit that I thought was like kind of speaking to what you're talking about how Tommy Fam maybe he needs to just go to a day spa and maybe I, I maybe he needs to ground himself like Jock Peterson was doing yeah like he needs yeah. to take a take a time and, and maybe look inside a little bit. Um, but once, once Jock kind of showed everybody the meme gif and everyone was like, okay, Tommy, what's going on here, man? He starts going into this long rambling thing about like how he, he just keeps his money right. And he's got investments and he's a big baller at all these casinos and he gets comped all these rooms and Uh-oh. he's a big baller in Vegas. Um, and just kind of going on like that. And it was, I, I think I like towards the end of the story while it is objectively hilarious i think like one of my favorite baseball stories i can remember <laughs> um at the end of it and especially kind of talking through it out loud right now i'm like oh tommy
0: are you okay yeah. man it can be both funny and we can acknowledge that johnny fam might need some help right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah good for
1: jock though i kind of think a jock is like this uh just like a doof he just looks yeah kind of i don't know he ca- the way he kind of carries himself and everything, he just seems like a doof. And for him to be like extremely earnest and I think self righteous <laughs> in a really funny yeah. way was, uh, it made the whole story even better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know also uh, didn't Tommy Van called Mike Trout the worst commissioner of all time or something like that, <laughs> which did. is just like what a stupid thing to be like. You're suspend. He got suspended from for for three games, right? For slapping another player about <laughs> fantasy football. I mean, it's just slaps are in right now, buddy. You know, like I can't wait. I got to think of who I'm going to slap. I, I, know. I, like, I need to figure this
1: out. I, I want to give Tommy a little bit of credit when he when he said that thing about Mike Trout. He had a smile on his face. So I think maybe okay. there was some self-awareness happening at that point. But I don't know. Yeah, I also, just like Mike Trout's really, really good at baseball. Is he like he doesn't also need to be a good fantasy football commissioner?
0: <laughs> yeah, he can hire someone to run the league for yeah, for real. He can Mike Trout. I used to commission a bunch of different uh, fantasy football leagues. Hire me. Pocket <laughs> change for you. I'll do it for a million a year for you. <laughs> that's nothing. So now you got four jobs. I'm never going to catch any fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh we could only hope to get as good uh a story as as that every year, so uh <laughs> thanks, fam I guess yeah all right, well, that's gonna wrap up the uh the business end of our uh, of the show, and uh now on to some more bullshit so mm. ben Nate. the year two thousand was an eventful one. Survivors of the Y2K catastrophe looked to the new millennia with hope. Control of the Panama Canal was handed over to Panama after 75 years of U.S. control. The state of Vermont passed HB 847, legalizing civil unions for same-sex couples. A 13-year-old Nate Heininger, in peak physical form, hung up his Little League cleats and used the registration money to buy a new guitar pedal, sending shockwaves across the globe. And on May 10th, in Phoenix, Arizona, Nolan Gorman was born. Nolan would go on to earn a spot in the starting lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals, becoming the first person born in the 2000s to play for the big league club. Wow. 2000 was a memorable year. But just how memorable was it? We'll find out in another edition of Who Charted.
1: Who Charted. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to hit me with a Conan O'Brien in the year 2000. Oh,
0: I should have. I should have. (laughs) Um, Nope. It's this. No, this is good. Okay. All right. So here's how it works. I I am looking at uh, the fan graphs page for the St. Louis Cardinals in the year 2000. All right. I've got their lineup and I've got their pitching staff. We're keeping it really simple. You need the goal of the game is to guess as many as you can of the who ended up in the top 10 on plate appearances in the year 2000 and then innings pitched. Uh, If you get it right, then you'll hear our familiar uh, sound of the, the crowd and if you get it wrong, wrong 3 outs and you're out of the inning all right so uh which would you prefer to start with do you want to start with the uh lineup or do you want to start with pitching staff
1: Let's start with pitching just cuz i i know i feel very good about two picks off the top of my head um and hopefully my brain will rattle around and I'll get some lineup stuff that'll come out of this chat. So I feel very is good a, about two names. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see.
0: The last time we did this, uh, we did 2008, which was a lot more recent. Yeah. Uh, roughly eight years more recent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're getting into, um, I was 13 in, in the year 2000. So you were like four or five or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've just aged very slowly because of my <laughs> childlike uh, sensibilities. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm looking at the list of innings pitched leaders for the Cardinals. Okay. Uh,
1: I am 99.9% sure this was Rick Ankeel's big year. Uh, the year that it actually worked
0: before everything started breaking. So I'm going to say Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankeel uh, is on the list. And he is number four. Number four. 175 okay. innings pitched. Damn, that's number and, uh, four. What a different era. Yeah, and he had a 3.5 ERA, uh, 3.4 uh fangraft score. So yeah, that was one of the better ankiel on the mound years.
1: Yeah, and then I thought it was at 01 where he kind of like
0: fell off the rails, but maybe I'm getting that conflated. Okay.
1: Feel good about that. The next one that I have just are like I'm feeling really good about this too is alan bennis
0: there we go okay but alan bennis number 10 you snuck this one in oh 46 innings pitched to a 5.67 era and he was negative 0.2 fancrafts war
1: Huh. Okay, well that that scares me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um all right, now I'm thinking of this era of pitcher. Uh oh, I might be a little too early. Uh Let's go with Jason Marquis. Is Jason Marquis on that team? It might be after that. Yeah, yeah damn yeah, it. Okay.
0: That's one out. No Jason right. Marquis. Jason Marquis was a little later.
1: Yeah. All right. My second guess is Matt Morris. Or my fourth guess. I'm not doing
0: a good job at this. (laughs) My soundboard's being annoying. There we go. There we go. There we go. Matt Morris, number number seven. Devastating curveball. uh, 53 innings. Really? God. uh, 3.57 ERA. Uh, you've gotten three and only one out. So three of the top seven, or top 10. I
1: cannot remember if the Bennis brothers were on this team or not. Obviously, I know Andy also pitched for the Cardinals around this time. Surprised to hear his brother only had 57 innings. I'm going to say Andy Bennis as well.
0: Yes. Nice. Yeah, Andy Bennis, number five. 166 innings. That. Uh, so he had a uh, 4.88 ERA, wow. 1.6 F4. Damn. How many innings was that again? 166. Okay. So you have gotten four and five, seven and ten.
1: What was the ace? It was uh, How about Daryl Kyle?
0: There you go. Daryl Kyle, go. number one yeah 232 innings wow 3.91 era 4.3 f4 uh rip daryl kyle yeah that was the yeah that was uh, a big year for him 20 wins 20 i bet he got some cy young votes too right probably yeah i don't have that in front of me but i'm sure especially at that era uh 20 wins um that's gotta get he, i'm sure he got some votes all right. Man, I'm missing some big you, names
1: though.
0: Yeah. You've gotten all the ones that I thought you might. Now mm-hmm. you've got a really, now you gotta really pull.
1: Yeah. So I have I have Daryl Kyle was number one, but I'm missing two and three, right? Yep. Damn. Um that's hard. Uh I, I feel like Oh, man, I, yeah, I'm struggling. Uh, I'm just gonna start throwing out names, so I'm, or else I'm gonna go crazy. Jeff Supon, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was yeah. there yet. No, I don't have him later on in here. the 2000s. Um, yeah. All right, who was a big 90s pitcher that spilled over? Thinking of the Mark McGuire years, I'm like really struggling to remember who else was on the pitching staff. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna guess. My cat is trying to eat my microphone. I'm going to guess um Steve Klein had a lot of innings this year out of the
0: bullpen. Yeah. Damn. Yep. So uh you did well though. You've got number one, you got number four, you got number five, number seven, and number ten. So you got five of them.
1: Okay. I feel okay with that. I could have yeah. Well, I want to hear the I, I gotta hear these top two. I'm very curious of two and three.
0: Um uh, number two, Garrett Stevenson. 200.1 innings pitched.
1: Don't remember that name at all. I know. <laughs> Pat
0: Hinkin. Wow. 194 innings. I was never going to guess those names. Both of these guys, although they they both put up 2.2 2 F4, so they were valuable players. Uh but they both had uh ERAs in the mid 4s. All right. Uh then you had Rick Ankiel, Andy Bennis, um Dave Varis, Uh 75 I think I pulled innings. I don't that either, yeah. Uh, Then Matt Morris, then Mike James, fifty-one innings, and then one of the best names to ever come out of the bullpen, Heathcliff Slocum, (laughs) the cat. It was. Don't you remember when we had a giant orange cat as our uh,
1: (laughs) as our setup man? It was like kind of mad about things and funny, I guess. I don't. Heathcliff Uh, sucks.
0: Like a (laughs) discount. Garfield, um, <laughs> Heathcliff sucks. <laughs> Forty-nine point <laughs> two innings, right. uh, five point four four ERA, negative point three F four coming in from Heathcliff Slocum. Wow, can't can't believe that wasn't stuck in my brain. Still, I can't believe you forgot our good friend the giant cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going over into the lineup. Okay. Uh, so, led the team. In plate appearances in the year, as Conan would say, in the year 2000. I thought you were going to go really high pitch there. In the um, year 2000. <laughs> we didn't need it.
1: Uh, Mark McGuire was definitely on this team. Yes. Sorry, I'm
0: slow. I'm just doing so good. You're at this really soundboard. bad at the soundboard today. Well, I was confused because he is number 10. Really? 321. Plate appearances, plate so it took me a minute to get all the way down there. All right,
1: so you you did a "Who is this guy?" with me, um and I think it was around the same time period. So I'm going to say, oh wait, oh crap! I don't. Let's go with Vina Fernando Vina.
0: Number there three, we go. Fernando Vina, 554 plate appearances. Oh wow, stuff. Uh, 3.1 f fWAR, good season. Fernando Vina, he, is he? He he should be properly
1: appreciated. He, I don't know if he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer, but I feel like he had you know, some he's really not, he had good, a
0: good years. He had a four year run with the Cardinals. Um, you know, one one two gold gloves as a Cardinal. Um, I don't think he hit well enough to be really someone who gets talked about in like a hall, like a, even a Cardinal Hall of Fame yeah. standpoint. Four years isn't that long. I mean. Um, You know, this was a good year for him. 3.1 F war and he had a uh, batting average of 300 and OBP of 380, but a slugging of 398. His WRC plus was 105. We didn't care about that stuff back then, Nate. Okay. It's a good point. (laughs) Take it all back. (laughs) What they did care about was his 31 RBI. There you go. (laughs) Yep. Um, Uh, all right, you've gotten three and ten.
1: I feel less confident about this one, but I'm going to stick with the Fernandos and I'm going to say Fernando Tatis Sr. was on this team.
0: You did it, Fernando Tatis. Uh, number eight,
1: 394. Um, so, wait. Vina had to be second base, sometimes at least. Tatis was third base. Renteria was shortstop? Is that a Renteria year, or is he gone by then?
0: Is that your guess?
1: Yes. Edgar Renteria.
0: That's number, oh. number two. Now I'm feeling good. 643 plate appearances. Uh, yeah, that was number two. JD Drew you are locked and okay. you're seeing the ball right well oh, right now i'm feeling good
1: i think I, i'm starting to remember
0: this now uh, jd drew number four 486 played appearances i was at jd drew's first cardinals game oh that's fun
1: yeah <laughs> uh well you can just keep that sound going because my next guess is ooh, was jimmy Ballgame? jim edmonds i'm gonna just say it. jim edmonds was on that team i'm confident. We go. Big
0: time Jimmy Ball game year. Oh, yeah. This is uh, one year before Pujols came out. 643 plate appearances, 6.5 F4. Yeah. Big time. Uh Scotty Rollins on this team, too. Damn it. <laughs> oh, that was a wow. hot streak. Momentum killer. All right, let's take a minute and regroup. <laughs> yeah. You've gotten You're one. God. You've gotten one, two, three, four eight and 10. You've got two outs left. Okay. One, two, four, eight, 10. Um, all right. Oh,
1: so before Yachty came up, so it had to be Mike Matheny. Oh, Matheny. Oh, Matheny. Yep. Four hundred and eighty four. spit out his teeth. Mike Matheny.
0: Uh, Uh, uh There's, there are, there may not be like a cooler moment in baseball than Mike <laughs> Matheny getting hit in the face by a pitch and just walking it off. <laughs> um,
1: I'd respond to that anecdote, but I'm deep in thought. Uh, Reggie Sanders was the right
0: fielder. Who charted? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I accidentally deleted my. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, wrong okay uh, it, it, de- it definitely one. has
1: less gravitas without the uh without the thing, so I yeah. appreciate them more now that
0: I don't have them. You're out that was three no you have oh. one you have one guest left okay um and you have, have uh three names left. yeah,
1: I'm like really struggling with who was splitting time with McGuire. If McGuire only had 300 at-bats and was not the primary first baseman, ooh, wait, uh, was, I have only one out left? Yep. Okay, I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna try to, based off your facial movements, I'm gonna help me make this. So the two names that are in my head are Tino Martinez, I'm not sure if he was on the Yankees at this point yet, and Eli Marrero, and I think it's one of those guys, but damn it. I don't know who. Um, Eli, Tino, Eli, Tino. I'm going to, uh, I think Tino might have been a Yankee. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Eli Marrero, <laughs> your face.
0: <laughs> no tells. You're out. Aww. That's a swing and a miss. That's the last was
1: one. Tino wasn't on the list either. So I was just wrong on both accounts.
0: Well, Eli is on the list, but he's number 15. Oh, damn. So, okay. Um, so you weren't that wrong. Uh, but you were still wrong. Um Yeah, I think Tino was that 2001 when they got him. Maybe 2002. I know he like, won like a, at least a championship with the Yankees, so it had to be the early 2000s. I just can't remember when that all happened. Yeah, I'll look it up in a second. So the uh the order was Jim Edmonds, Edgar Renteria, Fernando Vina, J.D. Drew, Ray Lankford. Oh my God! Sorry, Ray. Mike Matheny, Craig Paquette. Ooh, sorry, Craig. Fernando Tatis, Placido Polanco. Oh yeah. And then Mark McGuire. I should have got Placido Polanco. I thought you might get him. And then obviously I thought you might get, uh, Ray, uh,
1: Ray Langford. I um, I, I don't know
0: how I, me not getting Ray Langford is just bad. Yeah. Well, you still got seven out of 10. So pretty good for a team from 22 years ago.
1: Went much, better once, uh, it was the JD drew clicked it in with me. I was really good
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Tino Martinez joined the Cardinals in 2002. Oh, that was close. Yep. Um, and he put up 1.3 F war in his first season and one war in his second season. Let's so. go above replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Um, he had a 104 WRC plus in both years. Wow. Fun. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of talking about birds thank you all again for joining us nice five game series coming up uh, consider joining the bird Squad and watching it alongside us uh, and uh, we'll be back next week with our regulars time another episode and until then go card Nate I'm going to slap you <laughs> bring it No!